Well, tonight it is so delightful to have Pastor Mike with us, and uh, I've flown him up so he can be live with us, and uh, I've, already, I've already put the hint that I want to keep flying him up, but you know, I know that many of you have been listening to him, and I want to welcome all of those who are on, online. I know there are people all around the world that are tuning into these teachings, um, and I have had such amazing feedback, but I want to do something tonight because this is our opportunity to do this. And I want us to stand, and I want us to honour Apostle Mike Connell. Give him an outstanding welcome. Why don't you visit Thank you. Well, it's great to be here. Wonderful to be with you. Actually, actually a meeting. I actually had a plane flight today. That's really something. I haven't had plane flights for a long time. And uh, just what a joy to be with you and great joy to be again with people online. And uh, we've had such a great time over the last few weeks. Looking forward to tonight with you as well. Okay. Well, it is just uh, so delightful, Mike, to have you. Um, you know, I was, I was walking down the stairs today um, and on the other side with a, with a couple who have been in our church for years. And they just started to tell me how fantastic these Sunday nights have been. And, uh, you know, it's just been so challenging and life-changing and uh, telling all their friends. And so this is having huge impact, eh? Wow, wow, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Well, I've enjoyed being with you. And tonight, it's just such a special thing because we were doing it sort of over online today. Here you are, just next door. So, you know, to me, it's been like we've just been uh, chatting as friends about stuff. Yeah, and uh, and others have been able to come in and join in on the conversation. Oh, it's yeah, been great. It, it, it's been wonderful, and uh, you know, um, I've just uh, I said to you, I think I said to you, um, I, I'm going to try and convince him to come up every Sunday night for a while, <laughs> and uh, because I just uh, I think he's just awesome, and uh, there's so much more. We've just been dialoguing on a, at least another two to three sessions that we need to do, and. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. And so some of the stuff I wanted to get into, we've decided we can't do because there's so much stuff to talk about tonight. But uh, boy, it's so delightful. And here's the amazing thing. Mike's going to pray for you at the end of the night. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for some of you who uh, haven't ever come under the anointing of Mike, uh, I tell you, he is world class. Been on some of the biggest church stages um, in, in the world, just preaching the gospel and ministering in the Holy Ghost. I was, uh, I was with you, you know. You, you remember when, I think it was in Taiwan, and you had this big crowd there, and then you, you called up a whole lot of people for deliverance, and about 500 people got up for deliverance, and then and you just, every time you put your hand on someone, they started vomiting into a plastic bag. And then in the middle of all of this, hundreds of people manifesting, you came up to me, and you said, I was born for this. Amen. <laughs> Actually, I was talking to Ian Wright just the other day, and he said, I, he said, I can't believe it. He said, you were in a meeting, and uh, he said, I don't know where on earth you were. He said, in the middle of it, you called me, and I could hear the screaming going on in the background. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it was a big pastor's meeting. There were hundreds, and there was a move of God, and God's delivering people. And I felt, he needs to hear this. So I rang him up. I said, listen to that. <laughs> This is a move of God. People are being set free. Oh, look, it's just absolutely wonderful. And I, and I know that there's been things happening in people's lives through this. But, you know, um, over the last uh, few weeks, Mike, we've been talking about all sorts of stuff. And last week we talked from 1 Corinthians 3, um, how no man can lay any other foundation for that, which is laid Jesus Christ. We talked about each man's work will be evident. It will be tested, revealed by fire, and to see if it remains or you suffer loss. 
and the fact is that uh, you're going to receive a reward or you will lose a reward. And if any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. <laughs> and, you know, the, that whole thing of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and silver, what are we building, eh? It's, uh, it's just so important, and I think a lot of Christians just have, have not understood that God is holding us accountable for what we do within our lives right now. I mean, isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. Well, I think the, the big issue is that people don't understand the purpose of why God has put us into his family. And if you don't understand the eternal purpose, then it's just a matter of coming into a family and being born again. But if you don't understand what sonship is about and the process of sonship, which we're going to get onto tonight then you, you won't understand about the rewards that God has prepared for those who are faithful in their stewarding him. Wow. So when we talk about eternal rewards, you're talking about the justice of God. Yeah. So everyone loves to live in the grace of God, which, we, which empowers us, but there's also the justice of God, which means that those who have served him, have walked with him, have honored him, have actually fulfilled their assignments, there is reward for them. Hmm. And that, that's so fair. <laughs> I love that part of it. Yeah. So we can either, depending on your orientation, you can either look at that message on 1 Corinthians 3 through the eyes of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Fear. Or you can say, actually, this is my opportunity to prove I'm faithful to my Father in the season I have on the earth, wow. knowing there's an eternity beyond. Wow. And I think, I think we, we live for the moment rather than living with eternity in mind. Yeah. And so these teachings are about having eternity in mind, God's eternal purpose, not my purpose, his eternal purpose, and then walking with him in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, one of the, one of the things that was just uh, so powerful was we talked about out of darkness, I think, last week, and you know, talking about the fact that Christians are going to, there are Christians that will find themselves in outer darkness, which is yeah. not hell. And of course, outer darkness is the horror to realize I wasted my life oh, yeah. and I lost the reward. And so therefore, I don't attain to God's best. Just, can you just yes. sort of revise that a little bit? I think that'd be yeah. really good. Well, in, in that, in that uh, scripture, it's referred to three times outer darkness. And uh, for many, some, there's a portion of Christians think that that's hell. But when, when the Bible is using descriptions of hell, it uses certain words. And this is dif different context, the way this is used. Outer darkness means the darkness outside something that's brilliantly lit up. And so one of the most important passages of that is the passage uh, of, the, uh, of the, the virgins, the five wise, five foolish. And they're all virgins. They all have a lamp. They all have uh, oil. They all have hope of the coming bridegroom. These are all believers. And the key issue there is being ready, being prepared, and paying the price of intimacy now. In other words, engaging with God so we carry his presence in his life. It's not something you can just get by someone laying hands on you. There's a personal price of surrender and a life of living in intimacy. And the consequence of living that life is uh, when the bridegroom comes, then those who are ready immediately went into the celebration. So the contrast in the picture is a house full of lights, lit up, there's a bridal celebration going on, there's rejoicing, there's a party, there's singing, there's dancing, there's food, there's a great <laughs> celebration that's on there, and outside is dark. So when it says out of darkness, it's saying an exclusion from the glory and the brightness of what God has prepared for us. 
So the Bible tells us, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. So we're trying to bring revelation that God has prepared much for those who love him, but that love for him is demonstrated by a deepening passion and intimacy with him in the life we live now. Oh, I mean, it's just amazing. Um, now listen, we, we want to um, give you an opportunity to be able to ask questions as we go on tonight. And it will come up on the screen. Um, Emma is just going to describe how you can ask us questions. The Slido screen up there tonight. So tonight we're using a tool called Slido and really it's just enabling you, if you're here in the venue or if you're online, to interact and to ask questions tonight. If you open your browser or if you take your phone when the QR code comes up and you can scan, you can just take a, open your camera on the little grid. Are we going to get that up, team? Let's keep moving and it'll get and, up. Uh, so when this comes up, you can open, it's called a website, just go to your browser, slido.com, and then put in the event name, Encounter. Uh, and so when you go to the event name, then you're in a special space where you can ask questions, and I can fire them up to Pastor Brent um, as we go tonight. Now, I can't promise you we'll get to these questions uh, because there is so much amazing content that, content that Pastor Brent and Pastor Mike are going to go through. But if we can, we'd love to be able to do this. And it's an awesome opportunity to be able to interact with you here or with you online with us tonight. Fire in those questions and, uh, and then we can just keep this night rolling. Fantastic. Well, Pastor Mike, I am just so delight, delighted that now we can go on to the one passage in the Bible. <laughs> You've been that, trying to get there. Well, for five weeks I've been trying to get there, you know. <laughs> so I want to read it out tonight, but it is such a critical passage, and it is in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 23, and it says, For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, can I say that again? This is what it says, that the whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we also ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. You know, Mike, I mean, this is a phenomenal passage and one that I think is very poorly understood. But, you know, it's talking, it's got concepts like anxious longing of creation, eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, creation being set free from its slavery, slavery, freedom of the glory of the children of God, creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth, waiting eagerly for the sons of God. I mean, something is going on here, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. And it's dramatic. Absolutely. It's life transformation. And it's all about what we've been talking about. Yes, why absolutely. don't you try, why don't you begin to give us some understanding of this incredible passage? Wow. Well, it's, it's actually a brilliant passage. I'm glad we're just giving enough time to be able to, to cover it properly. And uh, when, you, when you look into a passage, you've always got to look at context. Yep. What is the background within which the passage lies? 
And also you've got to consider then what did it mean to the people who were there who he was writing to. Mm -hmm. So um, the passage actually starts a little bit further up where he's talking about being heirs of Christ. So he's in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, we're the children of God, and of children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs mm. with Christ, if... Is that word if, always conditional, yeah. <laughs> if we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Then he says, for I consider the sufferings of this world are nothing or not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us for the whole earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And then you've read the rest of it. So I think there are, there are at least three things that we need to have understanding of in order to make sense of the passage. The first is the difference between the word technon and huios, children and sons. And in this passage, those two words are not uh, always translated well. Yeah. They're often confused. But when the Bible uses words, they have something in mind. So the first thing we need to understand is the difference between technon, child of God, Huios, son of God. Wow. We'll come back to that in a moment. The second thing we need to have understanding on, this is written to the Romans. And uh, so like in, in, in the 21st century today, if I just said, hey, you don't understand it, Google it and you'll find the answer. Yeah. I don't have to explain what Google means. You know, everyone knows, oh yeah, I do. But if you were in another culture years ago, they'd say, what? Huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so the second thing we need to understand is the Roman Greek understanding of adoption. Mm which is different to the way we view adoption. Right. So he didn't have to explain that. They understood it. Right. And they knew exactly what he's talking about here. Yeah. So for those who were in the, uh, uh, the, the group, the Romans that were, he, that were receiving the letter, when he talked about adoption, what they're thinking and what we're thinking is really different. Yeah, wow. And then the third thing we need to have understanding is on the rights of the firstborn. The rights of the firstborn. Of course, these are all topics of their own, but as we found, every topic you start yeah, yeah, no, gets quite no. enlarged. But we'll just try to just to walk through it. So you notice there, he, he uses these words, the words children or son, and they don't always translate well in this. So if you're reading these passages, you want to look through and, and uh, get a strong concordance and find out exactly what they're talking about. So when it uses the word technon, it's a child by birth. Right. In other words, it's referring to a young child, an immature child. Yep. It's a child that has been born in a family, so therefore it belongs to the family. It has a father. Yep. And, uh, so, and, and we see there that we are, we're by our new birth, we are children of God. We come into the family of God. And, uh, so, but the word huios, whenever it's used, is always used in a different sense. It refers to a mature, fully adult son. It refers to a person of stature, of honor, of dignity, of maturity. Now, now, if we go on, we need to make sure we understand it. When it's talking about sons, I mean, I mean, um, that's a generic word. In other yeah. words, every Christian can qualify male or female. Yes. When it's talking about uh, using the word son, it's we're talking about a dynamic relationship between a father and a son, as revealed through the through the pattern in the Bible. So men and women can be sons of God, yep. just in the same way men and women can be the bride of Christ. Right. So, <laughs> so it's I mean, I mean that that brings terrible images to me. <laughs> I mean, walking down the aisle here with a big oh, white oh, veil. Don't don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> 
it's all about the the nature of the relationship. Yeah, so when yeah. when we look at God's plan, His plan, having such love for Jesus Christ, having such admiration for His Son, has purposed in His heart that He would have a family of overcoming sons in the exact image of Jesus Christ. So you've got to understand then that God's eternal purpose involves not just having Jesus, but having a family of sons conform to the image of Jesus. That's why it tells us then in, in verse 29 that God's eternal purpose is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ or to shape our character and our nature so we reflect what Jesus is like and Jesus is the express image of the Father. In other words, he's got a family of sons who reveal what the Father is like. So we have to see that the, the plan of God involves in a family of sons. In mm -hmm. Hebrews 1, uh, 2 verse 10, I think it says that the plan of God is to bring many sons into glory. Yeah. So we look at Jesus, we see him as the pattern son, and he has many sons to come. So it's not, there's a difference clearly between an infant and a son, between someone born into a family and someone who's mature. And we'll get to that when we look at what adoption looks like. So, so when he's talking, whenever you, the Bible uses the word technon, it's always referring to someone who is a child. So the only time you find it ever used in relationship to Jesus is when he's 12 years old as a child, technon. Yep. He's in the temple. So what's he doing in the temple? Yeah. He is putting himself under the tutors and guardians to go through the development uh. process for full sonship which didn't happen until you get him at 30, and hence the father says, this is my beloved, not technon, uios, son, wow. in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. So most people, when they look at Jesus' baptism, don't see the significance of what was happening or even the significance of the words of the father. But he's now being positioned as a son, having access to the father's credit card, having access to the throne of God to be the father's full representative. And that's the point of adoption. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to it in a moment. There's a little bit more it has yep, to yep. say on the adoption. Before you get on to that, I just want to um, highlight a statement you made. Overcoming sons in the image of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about sons, but the overcoming thing. I mean, you put that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> because all the promises in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3 are made to overcomers. So what's an overcomer? Well, a person who's an overcomer, it, it lists out in, in Revelations 2 and 3 exactly the things we're to overcome. Right. And so there's, each of the churches represents one aspect of what we're called to overcome. Wow. wow. And the promises that are made are promises that are given to those who overcome, he who overcomes. So write to the church or to the angelos or the senior leader or the minister or the angel of the church, and then here's the things, this is the revelation of Jesus, here are the things I commend you for. Here are the things that are lacking. He that overcomes. See, my, this is the promise. See, here's the problem, because there are many Christians who, who teach that the, the book of Revelation has already occurred. Yes. Or that is specific for those people, but not specific for us. But there we've got this list of churches, and you're saying to us tonight that each aspect of each one of those churches is relevant for us to become the overcoming sons 
in the image of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Each one of them, wow. there was something to overcome. Yep. And the promises are made to those who overcome. So when you look at the promises, there's about uh, 17 to 20 promises right through the book of Revelation. They're always to overcomers. You know, I know some people have never read the book of Revelation. They're too hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's prophetic. And so people basically approach it either as historical, it already happened, therefore it's history, yeah. or it's prophetic, it's unveiling then the revelation of Jesus Christ in the end times and of the sons of God. Yeah. So we're going to get to that, and we'll get sure. to the revel book of Revelation, I guess, another one. So, so looking then, so you, you, when you're born into the family of God, you know, and you understand we read in Romans chapter 8, it says, uh, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, you received the spirit of adoption or the spirit that places you into sonship. See, so now in the verse prior to that, he says, as many as are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So right there, he defines the difference between technon and huios. Wow. Huios refers to a mature person who's learned to be led by the spirit of God. To be led by someone means you must follow them. There's an act of surrender to follow the leading, the directions, the instructions, the corrections of someone else. Mm. So maturity is the outcome of surrender to the Holy Ghost. Wow. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. And so, so uh, when we realize that, then in this passage, it's very, very clear there are two different groups of people. Technon, someone who's a child. And huios, someone who's a full-grown son. Now, you understand that for us that may not mean much, but for people who understood adoption, this was really significant. Because they understood, oh, oh, yeah, we're born into the family of God. They all understood what went between being a technon and huios, between yeah. here and there and what was the outcome of it. You didn't have to tell them. They already understood. Mm. But for us in the West, we need to understand then what uh, son placement is. So huiothesia. Right. which means to place as a son. So when we hear the word adoption, we have a, uh, uh, a thinking like this. There's a poor child. They've got no mum and dad. There's a mum and dad. There, there's, a, there's two people, and they want a child. So they reach out in kindness. They take the child into their family. They've adopted him in the family. They treat him as their son. He takes their name. He grows up in their family. That's a Western concept. Yeah. But the Bible refers here, the word uh, uh, for adoption is the word huios, mature son, to place or position. So when it uses the word adoption, it's referring to something completely different to our Western concept. It's the positioning, it's the placement as a fully grown mature son, able then to represent the father and act on his behalf and wow. have access to the inheritance. It's quite different. So they would understand that, that adoption was a very much a Roman Greek thing because... In the Romans and the Greek culture, what was of big concern was inheritance. Yes. So they had gathered vast amounts of wealth, and they wanted to see that the wealth was preserved and invested properly for coming generations. The problem was they had a massive mortality rate with the children, and about a third of the children died uh, they lost their parents quite early on. So there was, there was massive issues around the family. So frequently... The father, because of the desire to preserve his legacy, would bring someone into the family and place them as a son, who he, Athesia, 
And as the son, they would then have certain rights and responsibilities in the family, the rights of the firstborn. They are now the son in the house, called and responsible to carry on the father's legacy, called and responsible to use the inheritance he, they've received for a number of purposes, hmm. preserving the family, uh, looking after the family. That's why we'll touch on a little bit the rights of the firstborn in a moment. So, so then it's, it says here very clearly then that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So, uh, so adoption or placement as a son had three stages. See, so the first stage is placement into the family. Yep. Technon. You become a child, you're in the family. So when we are born again, we've entered the first stage. Technon. Yeah, of adoption. Wow. So it says, notice there, for, it says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. That's the spirit that places us into full sonship. So coming into full sonship is not our efforts. It's something the spirit of God does. Hmm. And only those who are led by the spirit of God are placed into full sonship. Right. So the first step is we receive God's spirit, and by when we're born again, we now carry God, the God DNA. But there's a difference between being a child and fully grown. Mm -hmm. So the second stage of uh, adoption involved the process of preparation. Yep. Placement into the family, preparation, and then placement as a son. Now, you understand, when you see those three things are all part of that adoption process, then these scriptures make sense. So, so what would happen then is that at, about, at, at a young age, maybe the age of 12, the son would come under tutors and guardians. And that's why Jesus was at the temple. Exactly. And his parents didn't understand. He said, don't you realize it must be about my father's business? He has positioned himself under tutors and guardians. Now, his business is, of course, the ministry of the word of God. So where do you go to be put under tutors and guardians? You go to the temple. So you could never understand that. that see, some people would say, well, he was just rebellious. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, but actually, he wasn't, was he? No. He's actually following divine design. Yeah. He knew at the age of 12, he now needed to be at the temple under preparation uh, of guardians and tutors, meaning those who understood the law and taught the law, he'd be under their tutorship, preparing for his ministry and placement as a son but, at the age of 30. But this has huge impact on us as Christians because what you're really saying is that if you want to come into full sonship you have to come under tutors yes teachers leaders if you like so that independent spirit that is so prevalent in our culture is actually the antithesis of everything about what the Bible talks about absolutely yeah in fact if you look in the end what will come to full manifestation will be the sons of God and also the sons of lawlessness. So both will come to manifestation, the wheat and the tears right at the end time. So the sons of lawlessness, Christians... They can be any person. Any person. Yeah, Christian or... or it doesn't really matter. They're, they're governed by the spirit of lawlessness. See, I'd like you just to, to centre in on this for a moment because, see, see a lot of people have lost the, the essence of the fact that as a Christian... You need to be taught truth. You need yes. to be taught the word of God. You need to be equipped, empowered. And so, you know, the, you just can't follow your Christianity um, by doing stuff on the internet because it's all about relationships. Absolutely. Can you talk about that a yeah. little bit? Well, in, in Galatians 4, first couple of verses, it says, and it's, of course, he's talking to people who understood this. He said that the child, while he remains a child, is no different from a servant. 
Mm. He can't access the inheritance. So he's put under tutors and guardians until the time of his maturity so he can receive the inheritance. So if you understand then the process of adoption, first of all, the placement in the son, into the family, now the process of preparation by tutors and guardians. Now, the Holy Spirit is the prime yeah. tutor. Yes. Toward the Holy. If you think about Jesus, he went to the temple, for example, and then his parents couldn't find him. They came and got him. They said, what are you doing here? He said, don't yeah. you know I must be about my father's business? But it says they didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. And so they said, now you need to come with us. Now, right there, look what's happening right there. Right there, he knows he's called to sonship. He's in the house to the place of being trained for his sonship. And now his natural parents, his, his parents are saying to him, you can't go there, you've got to come with us. Now, he could have rebelled then and said, well, no, I've got to be doing this. This is what my father's got planned for me. Instead, he submitted to them. And it says he was subject to them. And then straight after that, he grew in wisdom yeah. and stature and favor with God and man. So in other words, God was delighted that when faced with the conflict, he submitted to the word of God in submitting to his parents. Well, and my, then he grew in wisdom, mm. which comes from God, in favor, which comes from God, favor with God, favor with man. There's no wonder when the father saw him, he's well pleased with him. Because now instead of being in a, in a church meeting, instead of being in the temple, being trained under the workers of the law, now he's got a different course. His course that he's taking now is one where he has to learn a trade. He has to live in a small town. He has to grow and then take responsibility for the family business, responsibility for the family as the eldest boy, responsibility for the mother as the eldest boy. Now he's taken a different path. He's taken a business path, running a small business. And then even then, at the, very, at the finish of that, when it comes to the point where he's 30 and he's about to then be positioned as a son, he then walks all the way across Israel to submit to John the Baptist. Oh, that's amazing. See, if you, if you, it's just spoken in a couple of words, but he, he, had, he had about a 90-mile journey by foot wow. to submit to John the Baptist. So here's the question. Why did Jesus need to submit to John the Baptist? Now you see, it's always we're under tutors and guardians until the time appointed. Wow. John was carrying the word of revelation to the, for the hour. He was carrying the anointing from God for the hour. The church had lost its way. Wow. And he doesn't just step up and say, I'm going to start my ministry now and go on the internet and start to do some stuff and, <laughs> and put the business card out and fly the flag. You know, Jesus has arrived. He didn't do that. He went instead and he submitted himself to John, who was the prophetic ministry, fivefold ministry of the hour. See, see, it really raises an issue. Um, see, a lot of people try to get into their calling, their fivefold ministry gift or whatever, prematurely yes. because they haven't gone through a maturation Absolutely. process. And the end result is that they last for 20 years and do fantastic and crash. They crash dramatically, exactly, exactly. And, and, and we see that all the time. Yeah. Well, you see Jesus submitting to John. Like John says, hey, what do you come here for? He said, I, you, I should, you should be baptizing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But notice what he says. He says, no, we must submit to righteousness. We must fulfill all righteousness. In other words, he's saying, this is God's order that I submit to your ministry. He didn't need to get water baptized, but he did need to submit to the ministry of John.
And the moment he did that, then his launch into his ministry starts. The, Holy, the heavens open, Holy Ghost comes on him, he gets access to the Father, he gets affirmation from the Father, this is my beloved son, Uios, full-grown son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hadn't done any ministry yet, but God has been pleased because he submitted to the maturity process. See, um, that moment when he was 12 years of age and the parents are looking for him, and he says, don't you know I'm doing my father's business? But you see, see that was the mission-critical moment. Absolutely. Because he made a decision. It's not my way. Not my will. It's God's will. Absolutely. And you see, some people say, well, they don't understand me. You know, they, they don't understand what God's doing in my life, blah, 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 blah. And so people just go off and do their own thing. But this has huge relevance oh, for the church today. Absolutely. Because the problem in the church today is lack of maturity. And so everyone's wanting to get their calling and want to become something. Yeah. God wants to make you something through serving. Wants you to be submitted. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wants to make... Want, want, want to become something. Versus God make, making you something. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, right. Yeah, unlock well, 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 it's all to do with identity. Yes. See, we either find our identity in Christ or we find it in what we do and what we own. Oh. Now, you see, if you find your identity in Christ, then things come and go and it's no problem to you. But if your identity is found in what you, you, uh, you do or in what you own or in your position, now you've got to fight to keep that. See, see, that really raises the issue. Some people say, oh, you know, they just don't recognize my ministry. Maybe there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should ask, why don't they? <laughs> Which would be a better question. Yeah, exactly. Because it said, submit to yourself. It said, it, 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 the Bible's very clear. Pride you know, God will resist us. Yeah. How does God resist it? Well, he does it through people. People resist you. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is the issue, you see. Promoting, if you promote yourself, you've got to keep yourself there. If you let God promote you, he's got your back. You don't have to be anxious and worried about how to stay there. Yeah, see, see, I'm convinced that many people miss the best that God's got for them because they don't understand this. Yes. And they step out of the process of God's right. development and they think that, well, uh, they're not recognizing me, so I just need to launch out on faith and do whatever God's called me to do. But that's actually based on a spirit of lawlessness. Absolutely. Isn't it? So I have a question here. How would we identify the spirit of lawlessness in today's society and in our own life? Oh. Which is a brilliant question. <laughs> it's a very good question, isn't it? Let's well, it's lawlessness, it's the word anomia, meaning to be without law, to be independent. Uh, it's, uh, it, to, to, it means just to flow and do your own thing. And, of course, if you have a look at the fall of man, the core of it was choosing my will above God's will. Mm. That is the core of it, of promoting myself rather than letting God advance me. Instead of submitting to God's will, Adam had to submit to God's process. God had him in a process. He resisted the process, like so many people do. Hmm. Now, in, in the area, I'll come to answer the question in a moment. But I'll just bring you back to in Matthew chapter 7, around about verse 23. Jesus said, many shall say in that day. That day refers to the coming of the Lord. Lord, Lord. These are people who are calling oh, Jesus Lord. Gosh, I know we, we did miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. And he said, I will say to them in that day, I didn't know you. There's no intimacy. Yeah. You've, you've used my gifts for yourself and advancing your own deal. 
you are workers of iniquity. There it is, right there, workers of iniquity. In other words, you are, take, you are doing activities not authorized by me. And yet they're doing signs, wonders, miracles. It would appear on the surface that the Holy Spirit is using them. They're operating the gifts. Yep. But actually, God sees them as basically rebellious. Yes, exactly. So he distinguishes between operating in the gifts and the call and faith. See, God will not, he doesn't repent over the gifts. See? The gifts and calls of God without repentance. So you have a gift, you have a call. That's not the issue. The issue is sonship. So this overrides everything. It overrides everything, absolutely. Because uh, as I shared in one of the previous teachings, if, you, if we looked at sonship design, it's design number one, intimacy, is the top circle. Intimate with the Father, being empowered by him, receiving direction from him. That leads to your assignment. So what we're talking about is people who are operating their assignment, which is a part of sonship, independent of God. So, and then we talked about the area of transformation, which, f so intimacy and transformation flavor your ministry so it reveals what Christ is like. Mm. But if you operate independently, you're operating out of a demonic kingdom. Okay, now listen, I, I, I want to just focus in on this for a bit, Mike, because it's so important. See, the question is, how do I identify if I've got a spirit of lawlessness in my life? Oh, that's easy. When well, someone says no to you. <laughs> Well, if anyone in authority says no, how do you react? Who has the ability to say no to you? And if no one can say no to you, you're operating on your own. You're doing your own thing. Whoa, flip. Well, well, think of, <laughs> that's as simple as that. It is, isn't it? Really. I mean, you don't want to make it all complicated. So I'm operating in alignment with my father and in response to my father, and there's a peace comes with it. There's a flow comes with it. If I'm operating out of my own strength... God will endorse the word being preached. God will endorse his people being blessed. But that doesn't mean he endorses me. Mm. You, you see, that, that's the separate thing. That's where he will test every man's work, what sort it is. What sort has to do with the character of it. Is it an independent operation? It is designed to enhance me financially and my reputation and my ministry, and it's all about me. Or is God getting the glory and the honor in it? So Jesus said in the end of his ministry, uh, I have honored you or glorified you. I finished the assignment you gave me. He's not talking about his own ideas. He's talking about I'm a man under authority walking out an assignment. So the question about lawlessness, well then, whose authority do you operate out from and under? And can anyone say no to you? And if they do say no, how do you react? It's getting real quiet in here right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's just the foundation, isn't it, of a functioning church. Yes. And, and the functioning body of Christ, that God has set order, yes. authority, leadership, governance in the church, and, and you have to flow with that. Yes. You know, like he says. Because it's a kingdom. It's about a kingdom. It is. And a kingdom is built around. A, a king and his, his will. Exactly. And, and this, is, this is so hits at, at, at the heart of our culture, which is, well, I don't feel that way or this or whatever. That's irrelevant. Exactly. <laughs> See, it's exactly how do I feel about it. So, so we, we were looking then about being under tutors and guardians. Well, it, we, we've already read there in Romans 8.14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, to be led means to submit to. Yeah. 
What are we submitting to? Well, I'm submitting to direction. So notice Jesus straight after John baptized him. Again, he's anointed. Let's go for it. Let's start it. And he's led by the spirit into the wilderness. 40 days fasting. Well, who wants to think that one up? I mean, that's a surrender to a process of preparation. So now, so now, of course, you and I have both come across these people. Well, I don't listen to man. I just led by the spirit. Oh, Jesus. We've all heard, I led by the spirit. Oh, you know, no, I've heard the more, time, more I hear that, the more I know that's just that's a spirit of lawlessness operating. Because I've had people that talk that way reject that God has put authorities in their lives yeah. for the purpose of maturing them. So, for example, uh, Ephesians 4:11 through 12:13 says, God, God has placed in the body or gifted, you know, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and so for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Most people stop there, but it's until we all come to the unity of faith to the perfect man. So not only is the Holy Spirit given for maturity, but fivefold ministries are given for maturity. Mm. So where's the fivefold ministry speaking into your life? Where's the apostles speaking into your life? Where's the apostolic and the prophetic speaking into your life? Yeah. If that's not happening, how can you come into maturity? They're given for that purpose. Yeah. I've got a different plan. I just live by the Spirit. No, you can't bypass God's plan. God uses people to work with us and help shape us. We all need people to help shape us. Hmm. That's part of the maturing process. So the, the centurion seeing Jesus said, oh, I'm a man under authority. I understand where you're coming from. You're yeah. under authority. So he wasn't just doing everything he wanted to do as the son of God. He's still under authority. And the centurion recognized it. And Jesus said, well, I've not seen faith in all my people like that. You got the picture that actually takes faith to recognize the kingdom and submit to authority wherever you find it. Now, you'll find the spirit of lawlessness shows up like this. Whenever you encounter authority, how do you react? Oh, gosh. So mm. you, 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 a, a policeman comes near, what's your reaction? Mm. See, any form of authority, what reaction comes up in your heart? That's, that tells you what's going on in there. Yep. So the authorities... Uh, or the powers that be uh, have been appointed by God. So he that resists the power resists God. Yeah, yeah. So, so resistance to authority. So that authority could be my father, my mother. It could be in the, the boss. It could be the teacher. It could be uh, a police officer. It could be someone in the civic arena. Or it could be in the church. And the biggest issue you have in the church is people want blessing and help, but they don't want to actually let their lives come under governance and authority that would help them mature and grow yeah yeah see see you've just answered a question that's come here about our parents and how they teach us in the natural and so on and is that the same in the church we've got you know yeah. teachers in the church but actually it is it's you know and and so often your heart's tested by your attitude towards your Absolutely. parents and it's not whether they're right or wrong it's your attitude yeah yeah because yeah. jesus parents were not right on that one yeah they didn't understand what god was doing they didn't understand he should be there they just did what they wanted to do, have a home with them. Yeah. And he submitted to that. See, it comes right back to the thing, you've got to honour your father and mother. And, and even if they were really, they did really bad things and all the rest of it. But in the long run, God's looking at your heart response. Yes. And you see, the thing I had to come to is I had anger in my life. And the Lord revealed that it was because of the abusiveness of yes. my father in his words. Right. When I forgave him, and, and I think at that stage he was dead, but when I forgave him in my heart, the anger instantly left. Yes, yes. Hey? And that's part of how we respond to authority, yes, isn't it? Exactly. Well, everyone has 
their story of injustice with authority. But the issue is not whether they were right or wrong, whether there was injustice. The issue is, was this able to develop the character of Christ in you? As it says, all things, before it says in Romans 8.29, God's plan is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Before that, it says, all things work together for good hmm. for those who love the Lord and walk in his calling. So it's like, or even injustice will work for us if we see God and respond to God in it. You see that with Joseph, who suffered deep injustice. And when he met his brothers, he had not just forgiven he now sees the plan of God mm. who used the injustice to shape his character. Yeah. Well, see, we forget that the plan of God is to mature us. Yeah. So we're under guardians that are responsible for our maturing process. So the Holy Spirit knows what it'll take to mature you. And he knows what it'll take to mature me. And he allows things to come. We think this is the worst thing that's happened. He's saying, this is your chance to grow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all how you see it. Yeah, That's why yeah. it says, count it all joy, my brethren. James 1, verse 5, it says, when you go through diverse uh, sufferings or whatever, knowing. The only reason you count it joyful is because you know that God will use it to develop endurance in your life see, and see, develop yeah. character. See, this is such, and we, we've talked a lot about this on our Tuesday night broadcasts and so on, is, is the fact that you've got to perceive your journey as a Christian not from the escapist mentality, oh, but... We're going to go there one day. Yeah, we'll talk about all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, but you see, that's what it's about. It's, it's submitting to the process. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a story when I was... Uh, I took a, a, an evangelist from America to see Bill Zabriskie when he was alive one day. And, and Bill was um, pretty tight at that particular meeting, and he'd seen some things and blah, blah, blah. But he, he sits around the, the, the dinner table and he says... Well, who are you submitted to? Who do you relate to? <laughs> and I thought, actually, it's a brilliant question. Of course it is. Because if you're not submitted to anybody, if you're not, if you're not in relationship to authority, you are lawless. Exactly. All right, there you've got issues. Now, now you can see when you look in the world, a spirit of lawlessness is being unleashed. Yeah, it is. See, see, people get caught up in the names of political people and they're not seeing the spirit of lawlessness. And that's why we need to be discerning in this hour. Discernment's one of the biggest gifts because otherwise you're caught up in lawlessness and you think you're doing right and think you're doing good. And of course people who are caught up in that become angry and all kinds of other issues come out. So uh, this is a big problem. Now if you have a look in the Bible, injustice is the experience of all of the men of God. Yeah, I mean, I mean that is just so obvious. It, it, Jesus himself suffered injustice. Injustice. <laughs> and, and injustice is part of the maturing process that God allows to happen in our lives. Absolutely. And you see, until we really grasp that, we will never, ever come to maturity because it's one of the challenges. No. If, I, if I haven't learned to overcome injustice... How can I lead people? Yes. Because then I will end up being unjust toward yeah, people. Absolutely. See? Because you'll be defiled by the injustice it's... you've experienced. You'll perpetuate injustice. So you notice there, it says there in, in Romans 8, 16, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So technon. And if children then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ, if we suffer with him. Yeah. 
Now, what does it mean, suffer with him? Notice there's a big if. There's a big if. Suffering with him means sharing the pain and the difficulties that he went through in fulfilling his call as a son to his father. In other words, when you live out obedience to the father, there is suffering that happens. There's a cost to walking with God. There's a cost to humility. There's a cost to forgiving. There's a cost to meekness. There's a cost to not reacting. There's a cost to walking in your identity. And it says if we suffer with him, in other words, that's a joint, we share in the fellowship of we've walked together through the same suffering. Like we have a great friendship, but we walk through some wars. We walk through suffering. Yeah. And we can laugh about the things and talk about them now, but actually they were horrendous and very painful at the time. Mm. And he says that, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the glory is not yet being revealed. He's saying this is something in the future. There is a glory to be manifested through us. But that can only happen if we will respond to the preparation process. So sonship had the placement as a son. It had the preparation of a son until the father decided the son was mature. Right. So the father will decide when we're mature. We can't decide that. And then, and then as you go on, it says, we're reading through here, it said, for the whole earnest, uh, earnest um, uh, expectation of creation eagerly awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. So the whole of creation is groaning in pain and distress because the original son of God, Adam, failed. And in his independence and lawlessness... He surrendered his spiritual authority in the heavenly realm to demonic powers, and the whole earth was put into a cursed state. And the earth is groaning because it's longing for what? Now, it's not longing for the returning of Jesus. It's longing for the manifestation of the sons of God who will then disempower the demon. We'll get to that in our next passage in the book of Revelation about the man-child. They displace the devil out of the heavenlies. And now the earth comes into its greatest season, its jubilee, where it's freed from the corruption, and now the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. So there's a whole thing we need to understand about the coming millennium and the role of the sons of God in advancing a total reform of the whole earth, its economic systems, its political systems, uh, the way, its agricultural systems, social art, all of that will be reformed. But Jesus is not going to do it on himself. He's actually got this season preparing people who he can bring forth as sons to work with them in doing this. So let me put it in, in my words, that, so that, because I want to make sure we understand this that actually there is a process that is happening and has happened since the time of Christ yes. of preparing a group of people that are going to be manifest at a particular point in time. And yes. We'll talk about that in another time. Yes. And who are going to have the specific job of delivering the heavenlies of yes. Satan and yep. all of his demonic forces because they have access yes. there now. Yes. And, they, and, and then creation actually starts to get, if you like, redeemed or healed or delivered from these demonic forces. And, of course, the millennial kingdom is set up. I mean, it's got something to do yeah. with the fact that God's wanting to get a group of people prepared yes. and ready to be yes. used yes. to be the manifest sons of yes. God, to bring redemption and healing and deliverance and the to the creation the the earth. and the glory of God fill the earth. Yes, absolutely. Why yep. is this not preached? <laughs> 
<laughs> now, serious yes, question, well, Mike. Well, it leaves the church in immaturity because there's no living in a hope. Now, of course, a lot of people think because of wrong teaching on adoption that we're already adopted. But the Bible's very clear. It hasn't happened yet. Here it is. Look, read this. It says... Um, uh, he says, verse 23, Romans 8, 23. Not only that, we which have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we've only got a little portion. We've only got the little down payment on our, insure, on, on our inheritance. So it, it, whatever you see people operating in now, it's only just a little glimpse of what can be. There's only the little bit. This is the taste of it, so you'll get hungry for the more. And he says, uh, we groan. We ourselves groan. In other words, oh. we're saying, oh my, there's a stress in us yeah. because we are eagerly waiting for the adoption. Now, if we're eagerly awaiting the adoption, it hasn't happened. Oh, my. That's so there phenomenal. it is, right there in verse 23, the adoption, the placing into sonship, except for the situation of Jesus, has not yet happened for the sons of God. God is worked through all of history. In every generation through the Bible, there's been people who overcame. And right now, there's people who choose to walk with God and overcome. And there'll come a point when God says, I got my sons together. Now, been, this has been happening individually. They've been into my family. Individually, they've been going through the process. Now, corporately, I'll bring them all into this together. They'll all be placed as sons. The dead ones will be raised, and then the living ones will be changed. And it says, no, it makes it really clear. It says, uh, uh, we ourselves, it says, here it is, uh, we groan, eagerly awaiting the adoption, and in case you didn't understand, it was the redemption of the body. In other words, he equates the positioning or adopting into full sonship with the first resurrection. Yeah. Very, very clear. So the first resurrection is the declaration of who the sons are. We don't know who they are right now. And it goes to the point that, that we talked about a few weeks ago, that in the first resurrection, not every Christian no. is going to get raised and in see, the first resurrection. See, that's another area of, of doctrinal issue in the body of Christ. Yeah. So it says in Romans that Jesus was declared to be the huius of God by the resurrection from the dead. Mm. So the adoption has not yet taken place. We are in the preparatory process for when the Father decides, now I'm bringing my sons into their position where they can represent me fully. And that's what the whole of creation, that's what we're waiting for. I want, that full, I want the full inheritance. Now, of course, what that means is we're bought into the rights of the firstborn. Now, many people don't understand, and they kind of look at it through, through wrong eyes. They don't understand the rights of the firstborn. And from the beginning, the Bible tells us that uh, the rights of, pro, uh, pregen of the firstborn were very simply these things. Three things. Number one, the firstborn was going to take, he was going to be the head or in the family. So yep. he had to take over responsibility for leadership in the family. Mm -hmm. So he was given one portion of inheritance for himself along with everyone else and one portion to administer his role as the leader in the family, as the representative of the father. So the, the firstborn became the leader in the family, the leader of all the children, uh, secondly, he got a double portion of the father's inheritance, double what everyone else got. And then thirdly, what he got then was he became the priest for the family, he became the minister who brought the blessing of God upon the family. So these were the rights of the firstborn. And the firstborn's rights could be lost. They could be lost by sin. Now, we won't go into all of that today, but that's a whole study of its own on the firstborn and it says Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. But in Hebrews, it's talking about the church of the firstborn. 
So God's plan is to bring many sons into that same status as his son has. Never equal with him. He's always the preeminent, but nevertheless, firstborn sons who will walk in a double portion anointing, who will represent the father, who will be the leader in the household, who will be the priest of God. And there's pictures of it through the Bible. Yeah. Um, very exciting. Well, it's, it's very exciting, but there, there's a critical question here, Mike, and we, we're getting close to our, our time. But, you know, every Christian, is this true or not, can qualify to be the firstborn and to, to receive. Absolutely. Right. Because you see, some It's God's plan. It's God's plan. And every Christian becomes every a Christian. firstborn son. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Every Christian has the potential of being an overcomer of being put into full sonship yeah. and everyone so we're, because because we're given the spirit of adoption the spirit that places us into sonship so the key is god put his spirit into us yep. so now we have an identity as a child but that same spirit now works on us if we will yield to him to mature us to sonship yeah yeah. But not everyone will be led by the Spirit. A lot of people prefer to control their lives and run their lives and give a little bit to God but won't surrender to the Spirit. Surrendering to the Spirit is like that situation at Ezekiel where he saw the waters coming out of the house of God and he went and he got into his ankles and then he, as he went further down or with the flow of the waters, yeah. the waters got deeper until they're a river and now he's just immersed and being led by the river. Yeah. And, and, of course, so this is all about surrender of control and starting to live a life that's full of and led by and empowered by the Holy Ghost. You see, Mike, what this does is it puts in context why we are born again. Yes. See, and that's the problem. See, a lot of people think being born again, well, it's just to get rid of sin and get free and all the rest of it. But, but all that is just a process. Yeah. Because there's a much greater thing. You know, there's a question here concerning the earth and... And, um, and the earth being restored and so on. And, but, of course, we're going to get on to that, yeah. whoever's asked that question. That, that We just can't get there tonight, but we are actually going to talk about that. But even if you, you remember some of the revivals and there was a place in South America, what happened yes. in that locality, the fruit, the way the fruit grew, the way the vegetables grew, the, 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 once the spirit right. powers were, were, were dismantled in that area, the, everything became productive. Yeah, and that became a sign to the world yes. that true revival, and people are letting the Spirit of God work through them, it affects even the creation. creation. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, and I think God's got little pictures of this. Uh, we see it in stories like that. And we say, why does it happen everywhere? It happened there as a sign. That's right. What the millennium can be like. What's going to happen? Wait a minute. The millennium being? The thousand year reign of Christ. Right, right. What it could look like is the earth suddenly highly productive. Yes. Since, yeah, and I mean, that's why a lot of people are, are so afraid of global warming. And I'm not here to, to speak about global warming, but to say a day is coming when there is going to be a redemptive process on all of creation and all the things that we're worried about, that's all going to get sorted out yeah. because there's going to be a group of people called the sons of God who are going to come and bring redemption, restoration, healing and deliverance to the whole of creation. Absolutely. That's why we were born again. Yes. That's why we've been created. Absolutely. And until we get that understanding, am I not right? We just, we, we just 
have an average Christian life. Of course, because our focus is on sin and just being free of sin. So if you think about God, the way God's plan worked, and we'll just, I'll, do it in a, I'll try to do it in a really very simple format. If you can imagine when God formed Adam, he had in mind a company of sons. Yeah. So, but to get there, he had to mature. Yeah. He still had to mature, hence he had to learn <laughs> obedience. <laughs> so, so the path should have gone, here it is, Adam here, a path of maturity, many sons in glory. Instead, what happened was, it started and then it took a massive dip when he sinned. And God's plan is get back on course again and back on the path. So most people are focused on sin and all the problems of sin and getting this and this and this. They're not thinking, actually, it's about maturity to growing into my sonship because there's a destiny ahead. It's an eternal destiny. Eternally is a long time. I do not want to be missing this. Mike, we have come to our hour. Oh, my goodness. It goes so quick, Brent. And, uh, I said we'd probably only do one passage. I know. I, I, I had <laughs> Revelation 12 and a few other things I wanted to do, but, but we have really come to the hour. And, Mike, I want you to pray for people. But, you know, I, there are two things. I feel the incredible weight of what you've shared. Yeah. It's like it's just gone blonk. <laughs> Honest. And some people are feeling... I think maybe even a little bit negative about this. I mean, what's my life all about? And, and, and I don't want people to, be, to feel no. like that because this is about hope. Yes. It's about purpose. Yeah. It's about that God's got a phenomenal destiny Absolutely. for us and a phenomenal job. And yeah. so it puts into context all the stuff that we go through. Yeah. It puts it all into context. Well, actually, I am preparing for a group of people that are going to do some amazing things. Yes. So and, the, Mike, and the thing you have choice over is what you become. Exactly. You, you may not have choice of what everyone else does. You have choice what you become. Yeah. And when we do what our Father wants us to do, we show that we are sons of God. When, you, when, you, when you, you, you're kind to those who are unkind to you, when you love those who don't love you, you, do, you love without expecting anything back. Luke 6, I think it was 36 or somewhere around about there. He says that you show that you are sons of your Father because he's yeah. kind to the just and the unjust. So this, this is the growing process. So bring it on. Let's grow. And he says, many sons to grow. They're not just going to be a small deal. This is many. Through all every season of history, sons coming forth. How wow. glorious. There's going to need many, 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 many sons. Because there's a big job to do there's in creation. There's a big job to do in the creation. universe. Exactly. Yeah. So this is not a little plan. This is a very big plan. Yeah. And, and no matter where you are, if, if, if sort of a, 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 you feel overwhelmed or whatever, that what God just says is surrender to his spirit. Those who are led by the spirit are the sons of God. In other words, any place your life is not aligned with the Holy Spirit, you're resisting the Holy Spirit, just make the decision. Lord, I want more of this. Download revelation to me about what's coming. Help me to now respond. I surrender wow. to the wow. Holy Spirit. Wow. I want to be fully engaged in all wow. you're doing. And of course, that won't leave you hiding in a church. It leads you engaging. You have to engage. You yeah. can't change anything from a distance. Absolutely. You can't do online church and be successful in that. No. You've got to have people. Yeah. Face-to-face -face connection, engaging oh, people. Phenomenal. Mike, we've done the hour. Oh. And I don't know how the heck to have a time of you praying for people, but I've got to get your hands on these group of, this group of people tonight. And I'm going to just, uh, uh, you know, for those who've listened uh, tonight on the internet, I want to encourage you to stay engaged because in a few moments, 
an anointing is going to come yes. when, uh, when Apostle Mike prays for people up the front. You can experience the overflow. Yes. And how often people have said um, to me, you, you prayed for someone, but I was online somewhere else yes. in, in Uganda yes. or Nigeria or whenever. And they said, we felt the power of God come. Yes. So I want to encourage those who are online, um, especially my friend Soko and uh, Manasseh, in Fiji, because I know you'll be rushing from your evening service to be with us tonight, but there are other people all over the world that you are a part of this, and I want you to experience an overflow, but Mike, I just want to hand this over to you, do whatever you feel to do, I'm sure that people want to respond, Absolutely. and I'm sure they want to get your hands on them for an impartation, and uh, you know, if you're too scared of having them put your hands on, on you because of the coronavirus, well, wear a face mask, and we'll give you one for free. But we need an impartation. Put a, put a handkerchief on your head and we'll just lay hands on the handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, it's over Amen. to you. Amen. Why don't we just pray in the Spirit for a moment? If you're watching online, why don't you just begin to pray in the Spirit right now? Let's believe oh, together. No, if you're in the meeting here and you want hands laid on you, why don't you just make your way to the front? Just lift. This is about Thank the Lord. Jesus. This is about the Holy Ghost, not yes. about me. Uh, just oh, a no, channel no, through which this happens. Up, 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 but, up, up, you know, up. through the apostolic anointing, there's yes. impartation into our life. And this is what I want to pray. I want to pray for a quickening of the work of God in your life. I want to pray that the Holy Ghost will come on yes. you and begin to accelerate the work of change in your life. Begin to accelerate your maturing process and release to you the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is insight to what God is doing, how he wants us to live our life, how he wants us to operate where we are. And uh, I'm believing right now for an impartation to come. So let's just pray in the Spirit. You're watching online. Pray in the Spirit. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to come on people. I sense His presence coming right now. Come on. Just reach out to Him with hunger now. Reach out to Him with hunger right now. Father, we're reaching out to You for Your anointing and power to come upon us. Thank you for the honor of being born into your family. Thank you for the great love that you have shown us whereby we should be called the children of God. Now as your children, we require an increase of anointing to accelerate the maturing process in our lives. We cry out to you, Father, for fresh fire from heaven. Fresh fire from heaven. We ask, Lord, you'd release upon us right in this time a fresh anointing, a fresh acceleration, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Go keep reaching out. Hunger for Him. Hunger for Him. Don't look at me. Don't let your eyes or thoughts be around me. It's about Jesus Christ. The firstborn from the dead, raising up many sons in his image and likeness. Do you realize that sons are deliverers? Sons are restorers. Sons are builders. God is calling you to be a deliverer. He's calling you to be a restorer. He's calling you to be a builder. He's calling you. He's calling you. As you lift your hands right now, just present yourself to Him. Thank you, Lord. Let your presence begin to fall on people right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for fresh fire from heaven. Thank you for fresh fire from heaven, not just for here, but right through across the internet, wherever people are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We reach out for it right now. Holy Spirit, come. 
Holy Spirit, begin to fall upon people. Begin to fall upon people right now. We thank you, Lord, for your presence invading. One. Two. Three. Fire. Let the fire of God come on people. Fire of God come. Fire upon people. Power of God come. The fire of God come. Now, in Jesus' name, fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. The spirit of wisdom. Spirit of revelation. Spirit of sonship. Fire. Don't look around. Keep your eyes on him. God's power is coming on people right now where they are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We see your presence falling on people everywhere right now. Thank you for fire coming. A fire of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Thank you, Lord. Fire. 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 The fire of God. Thank you. Fire. Fire of God. Fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost. I take authority over the spirit of grief and disappointment. Loose right now in Jesus' name. Touch, touch, touch. Holy Ghost, come on her now. Touch the fire of God. Touch her now. Fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fire of God. Touch right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Touch, 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 touch. All those things, all those injustices that have happened. The Lord is breaking the power of injustice off your life. In Jesus' name, I break the spirit of injustice. I break generations of injustice to women. Loose her right now in Jesus' name. Touch, touch, touch. Touch the Lord. Touch, touch, touch. God's wanting to lift that burden off you right now. 